everyone. Uh, Let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll hop right on into the sermon. Uh, God of grace, God of glory, on your people, pour your power. Visit us this morning, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and speak to our hearts so that we might see a little bit more of you in our neighbor and in ourselves. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, first things first. For all intents and purposes, Meg the Stallion is having the best year of her rap career so far. This year, she got her first number one single with none other than Beyonce, the Queen B, and she also got her second number one single of the year with Cardi B for a song that I'm sure you've heard of by now, WAP. This song has broken charts, 93 million streams in a single week. It broke sales records. It's literally everywhere. On top of that, Meg Thee Stallion had one of her TikTok dances go viral. Her EP has sold well. She's like one of the hottest tickets in the game. But all that glitters isn't gold. A few weeks back, Meg the Stallion was shot in a car and she had to be rushed to the hospital. And after weeks of being hounded about it, she finally confessed that it was her associate, Tori Lanes, that shot her twice in the foot. Um, people on the internet, as we have been known to do, have made jokes of the matter, mocking Meg the Stallion, calling her a snitch, um, outright cruel memes about her, and it made me think about the way that Breonna Taylor's death was treated. For a while, everyone was very somber and serious about it. And then there became this weird trend where people would make jokes and they would make the jokes and then they would post a link like, go sign this petition. But there were also like very disturbing elements of quote unquote comedy that people were doing. And it made me think about the overall suffering of black women in the United States, the way that it's memified, that it's turned into something that's comedic rather than something that we address head on and actually decide to combat. People are valued for their work, such as Meg Thee Stallion's music or Breonna Taylor's work as being an EMT, but when it comes to their actual lives, their physical safety, um, they're not worthy of protection. I find that interesting, and I find that to be reflected in this biblical text. In this text, we see two women, Shifra and Pua, resisting political power. These women are clearly empowered by their faith, by the example that they set other women of color, are, they allow people to stand up for themselves, and God blesses them for it. And you also think that like Miriam, the sister of Moses, grew up in this environment with Shifra and Pua. How much more would she be inspired to stand up when she saw that her own brother was being sacrificed because of the wickedness of Pharaoh? Um, <clears throat> oop, I lost my place. Anyway, Miriam would have known the story of Shifra and Pua. She would have known their names, their hometowns, who they were. And this future prophet of the Lord, she was past this rebellion, this rebellious torch by Shifra and Pua. She was passed on this powerful theology of women claiming God for themselves and standing up to wickedness and injustice where they see it. 
Alice Walker, the author of books such as The Color Purple and In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, would describe this powerful spirit of sass that Shifra, Pua, and even Miriam have as being womanish. Here's the definition. Number one, womanish girlish, frivolous, irresponsible, or not serious, a black feminist or a feminist of color, from the black folk expression of mothers to female children, quote, you act in womanish, i.e. like a woman, usually referring to that which is outrageous or audacious, courageous or willful behavior, wanting to know more and in greater depth than what is considered quote-unquote, good for one, interested in doing grown-up things or acting grown-up, being grown-up. It's interchangeable with another Black folk expression, quote, you trying to be grown, responsible, or in charge, serious. Two, also, a woman who loves other women, both, both sexually and or non-sexually, appreciates and prefers women's culture, women's emotional flexibility, values tears as a natural counterbalance of laughter and women's strength, sometimes loves individual men, sexually and or non-sexually, committed to survival and wholeness of entire people, male and female, not a separatist, except periodically for their own health. Traditionally, a universalist, as in, Mama, why are we brown, pink, and yellow, and our cousins are white, beige, and black? Answer, well, you know, the colored race is just like a flower garden, with every color flower represented. Traditionally capable, as in, Mama, I'm walking to Canada, and I'm taking you and a bunch of other slaves with me. Reply, it wouldn't be the first time. Three, Loves music, loves dance, loves the moon, loves the spirit, loves love, loves food and roundness, loves struggle, loves the folk, and loves herself, regardless. Four, womanist is to feminist as purple is to lavender. When we apply these definitions to Shifra and Pua, they make perfect sense to us as characters and even as people. They aren't outstanding. They're just women. Standing up for what's right isn't an amazing thing for them because they're just being womanish. And Miriam isn't an outlier. She's just a womanish girl being about grown folks' business. Her being capable is just who she is. She doesn't achieve greatness because greatness is expected of her. Being great isn't something she needs to earn. She simply is great. She simply is womanish. This is the legacy of the mantle passed on to her by Shifra and Pua, and I believe that this is the same legacy, the same spirit that these three women pass on to our daughters today, this spirit of being womanish. But they also pass on a challenge to all of us, to the adults in the lives of these children. They ask us to examine the legacy that we are passing on. Are we uplifting women and girls every chance that we get? Are we reminding them that the femininity that they exude is a blessing and not a curse? Are we reminding them that the same gift of the feminine that they have exists in God, that God identifies herself as a mother in Hosea 
chapter 11, verses 3 through 4, and in chapter 13, verse 8, that she describes herself as a mother eagle in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 11 through 12, like a woman giving birth in Deuteronomy 32, 18, in Isaiah 42, 14, and that Jesus describes the Father, quote-unquote, as being a woman who searches for us, her lost coin in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. The erasure of feminine and womanish spirit of God is not only blasphemous, it's very, it's detrimental to our sisters and to our daughters in Christ. It teaches them that to be godly is to be male or to be masculine as possible. It implies that the only aspects worth ascribing to are a mimicry of that which is male, which is an outright lie. But it's a lie that has power that can be readily seen in the way that we present women in the spirit of the 80s and 90s that quote-unquote gifted women with shoulder pads and made their shoulders look more broad and more quote-unquote manly. The power cuts or the power suits or the defeminizing of women in the workplace, the school dress codes that cause women to hide who they are so that the boys can focus quote-unquote. Like let's... If your boy is having trouble focusing in class, it's not because of a spaghetti strap. It's because he's not focusing in class. That's a lack of his discipline, not hers. But that's a different story. That's a different sermon. We'll get into that on a later day. Um, But we continue to see that the ways that we present God to people make it look as if feminine things are not of God. And that is heretical. It's blasphemous and it's anti-scriptural. When we say that God isn't a man, but only refer to God as he, him, and his, the way that we say that to girls is detrimental. It still forms in their mind, oh, he is up here and I am down here. I am separate from that which is holy. That is blasphemous. As Christians, we believe in a God that is an incarnate God that shares our burdens with us. Then we must believe that this same God that we celebrated coming out of the tomb also celebrates coming out of Mary's womb. We have to understand that there's God that is capable of understanding the struggle, uh, the struggles of men is also present and real in the struggles of women. This same God who dwelled in a womb for nine months is the same God who heard the cry of Hagar and saved her child. The same God that aided Ruth. The same God that heard the barren women, Sarah and Hannah and Rachel and Elizabeth and gave them children. It's the same God who saved a sex worker named Rahab. The same God that healed the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman, even though she was called a bad word by Jesus. It's the same God that ascribed value to a Samaritan woman at the well. It's the same God today that hears the cries of college women across the nation facing the violence of sexual assault. She's the same God who hears the cry of women who can't become mothers. The same God that hears the cries of girls kidnapped by Boko Haram and hears the cries of women struggling for equality. She hears the cries of women that face violence from men like Tory Lanez. She too bears bullet holes like Meg the Stallion. She too weeps when she hears George Floyd crying out for his mama. She too knows what it's like to bear up a child that's been shot down. She 
knows what it's like to cover us under her wings and to protect us like a mama bear. She feeds us. She births us. She protects us from Pharaoh and she won't let us drown in the Nile. And when we do pass on, she comforts the people that we leave behind and she fights for justice for us. So it makes sense today that that work is still overlooked. It makes sense today that especially black women have their work undervalued and that quote unquote women's work is undervalued in our society because we have undervalued the work of the divine feminine in our lives. By failing to see the glory of the divine feminine, we fail to see the value of the divine feminine folks around us which is why women's work is so undervalued today. It's why teachers are being sent out like sheep to the slaughter in the midst of a health pandemic. It's why people in the food service industry can't secure livable wages and can't afford their rent. It's why the people that work for Amazon are in parking lots, peeing in Gatorade bottles and sleeping under blankets and eating peanut butter out of jars because they can't afford homes or adequate food. We, we, especially as children of God that identify as Christians, we need to search in our hearts for what hinders us from seeing what is so plainly in front of our eyes. That God's power is still in the feminine just as much as it is in the masculine. And we need to turn around and repent from the ways that we've harmed the feminine people in our lives. Amen and amen. <laughs>